Soulmates. We finally made it to Friday. It's February 17th. I'm Courtney Hicks. Want to welcome you to Fox Soul's Black Report and welcome back, handsome young man. I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> Happy belated birthday, by the way. Oh, thank you so much, uh, Brandon. Look, it has been a long week, but I'm yeah. glad I'm able to end it with you and everybody in, uh, in Fox Soul, our soulmates. Uh, yeah. Look, I'm Brandon Hudson. A lot of news this week. Yeah. Uh, but we're still following some big headlines today, bringing you the stories that impact our people. That's right. It's our news, our views, and our voice. So let's get into the conversation today. So, Mace, as we start with the five former Memphis police officers accused of killing Tyrese Nichols, they have pleaded, believe it or not, not guilty in court today. Nichols died on January 10th, three days after he was stopped and beaten by officers. The officers were members of a now disbanded anti-crime unit. Nichols' death has led to a national debate about police training and reform. A total of six officers and several other emergency personnel have either been fired or disciplined. And you know what, Brandon, you take mm -hmm. a look at that video footage and even the footage that they say hasn't been released the 20 additional hours. Yep. And you go, how in the hell could these officers have the nerve really to plead not guilty? Your you, thoughts? You always wonder in these cases, is it the people who are the uh, defendants mm -hmm. or is this their attorneys who are trying to possibly get them a, a lighter sentence somehow? I think in the court of public opinion, mm -hmm. um, they're guilty. Yes. I know in the court of law, though, yeah, you're innocent until proven yes. guilty. Yes. Yeah. And those are the two things that we got to separate here. But I will say this: mm. uh, the one thing about this this case here is, look, we cover these stories simply because they're supposed to protect and serve mm -hmm. everybody, regardless of race, religion, creed, gender. And this is why we cover these stories, because that's, they're failing at their job. Yeah, but I, I think this Nichols case is so significant because this isn't a white on black thing. Mm -hmm. This is a blue thing. And so really it restresses the culture, the blue culture, right. and what needs to be addressed, what needs to be changed. Of course, we've been talking about some cases that are white officer on, on black suspect, but this like changes the game. And I've often said that, you know, maybe there's a different conversation when it's, when it's about blue, especially with this being black on black. Right. It really, it, you know, it took a lot of people aback as to being so dicey to address it. There's a lot of implicit bias yeah. here. Uh, and that needs to be discussed in police departments all across the country. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right, so we're going to go now to Pennsylvania, where for at least the third time this year, a six-year-old, a six-year-old mm -hmm. has brought a gun to school and now adults are facing charges. Here's Fox 29's Jennifer Lee with that story. I come pick her up every day. Sean Henley's granddaughter attends Gottwalls Elementary, which is grades one through four. She says it's upsetting to learn another student brought a gun to school last week. Anything could have happened to anybody's children. You just see what happened at that university with them three children. For my daughter not to have gotten an email or nothing, I don't know where the notification came in at. Norristown police say the student who brought the gun is only six years old. Detective Stephen Sowell was part of the investigation and says surveillance video shows the frightening show and tell on the school bus. Even though we know no one got hurt, even though we know that this was a happy ending, that we secured a gun, that there was not a tragedy, watching that video still like puts a, a bad feeling in your stomach. Police say thankfully a group of students who saw the gun immediately reported their concerns to the secretary when the bus arrived at school, which was then reported to police. Those young heroes were very key in making sure all the kids in that school stay safe and also the adults. According to the criminal complaint, the six-year-old told police his 10-year-old brother found the gun in his mom's dresser, took the bullets out, and started pointing it at him and pretending to shoot him. The acting chief of Norristown Police says all parents need to practice gun safety. 
a child is going to be very curious. They know what guns are. They know what they look like between TV, movies, social media, everything like that. If it's if it's taken apart, you know how to put it together, but a, a six to seven, eight year old probably won't. Police say the boy's mother, Jasmine Devlin, turned herself in on Tuesday. Detectives say the gun was a straw purchase, which means it was illegally transferred after purchase. We stopped by Devlin's home, but she refused to speak with us. Young people that were on the bus, knowing what they saw didn't belong, and there was something wrong with that, and saying something. Obviously, their parents have taught them very well. Hmm. Uh, your heart drops, but you have to be happy at the same time because no one was hurt, no one was shot. And we deal with this in Detroit all the time, and this happens yeah. in a lot of cities all it across does. the country where kids, they find these guns and they go off. Either they shoot them or they trigger them somehow, and yeah. we could be talking about someone Something. burying their child. Yeah, but, but so many caveats to this. I mean, you know this mother probably has this gun for protection. Right. Um, you can't uh, deny the fact that she obtained it illegally. Yes. And then you have to talk about how she has not or did not secure it properly and safely. And so there's those arguments. And then, you know, the, the, the idea of, you know, not checking your children. I know you have three under three. Yes. And, you know, I'm not a parent, but I have younger siblings and uh, cousins who are like nephews who I raised and and they've never been out of my sight or right. I've never had a situation where I don't know what was in their book bag when I was responsible for getting them to school. So there's that too. This is really loaded and just a huge conversation that I think needs to continue um, from so many different aspects. There's so many different failures here. The unfortunate part is uh, police can't go into everybody's house that has a gun and say, mm -hmm. hey, look, are you are you keeping this safe mm -hmm. away from your kids? Yeah. I think it's it really is up to a lot of um, our, our uncles, our mm -hmm. aunts, our grandparents yeah. to go into these homes and say, hey, look, mm -hmm. Extended I know you have a gun mm -hmm. or even neighbors yeah. and say, hey, look, I know you have a gun, but hey, let's make sure that you keep this safe because you got a six year old in the house. We don't want him to find this gun and take it to school because that's probably the first thing you want to do is you want to show your friends, hey, look, it's a gun. Mm -hmm. And you, you, when you're a kid, you don't really think about all the consequences that come yeah, with that. As a gun, on, gun owner in that home in particular, you have to stay vigilant right. with young people around. All right, let's move on here. Federal prosecutor prosecutors are seeking an additional 25-year sentence for singer R. Kelly for his child pornography and enticement convictions, adding 30 years he's already serving in that New York case that we told you about not too long ago. Now, prosecutors have described Kelly's behavior as, quote, sadistic and called him a, quote, serial sexual predator with no remorse. Kelly will be, uh, will not be eligible for release until uh, he is around 100 years old if he if he makes it to that age. Now, the judge agrees to the 25-year sentence and another government request that uh, Kelly begin serving his Chicago sentence only after the New York sentence is fully served. Kelly's sentencing in Chicago is set for uh, next week, and his legal team is appealing his convictions in both New York and Chicago. Uh, I think it's a wrap on any chance what a fall at freedom. From grace. Yeah. What a fall Isn't from grace something? for R. Kelly. And you know what the... the sad thing about this is hmm. we have been discussing R. Kelly's um, demise for about 20 years now. Like, I remember I was in public speaking class in college back in 2002. Tell it. And we were talking about this whole sex tape about R. Kelly. And now, you know, it's finally caught up with you him. You have receipts. 
Yeah, yeah. I worked and lived in Chicago for about 12 years, yeah. and I just remember the grumblings, and I, I was astonished at the fact that nobody would, like, say anything. I right. Mean, with him, you know, allegedly being parked outside of high school, soliciting these young... I've heard that for years, and I got to Chicago in the early 90s. So this nice. has been ongoing for a while. With all of this in mind and, yeah. and, and the talk, and, and we know he's probably never uh, getting out even with these appeals, do you think we've got to a place, Brandon, where it's okay to listen to his music? now no. for it to be on your playlist I know radio hasn't gone yeah back to I, I think I think it is up to the the listener mm. and how much discretion they have personally I can't find myself you can't separate the two no I can't um, and mm. that is and it's very tough especially because his stuff is still in the news I mean yeah you know I went through the same thing with with a lot of artists mm -hmm. I mean there, there's Kanye there's Kanye West or yeah there was Michael Jackson for a period of time yes um, and and you, I think over time, mm -hmm. I'd say, you know, time heals all wounds. Mm -hmm. But in this case, because we are still fresh and talking about yeah. this and it's still ongoing. I get that. It's just very tough. It's, it is difficult because it, it is, the you know, their music and their musical genius. It's it's the soundtrack of our lives mm -hmm. in, in different periods of our lives. And so uh, for some, it is very tough to separate the two. I know for others, it's like, OK, R. Kelly did this, but I'm still going to enjoy his music. Right, right. Mm -hmm. I, I get that. Yeah. That's understandable. Yeah. All right, so here's a story I know that you are probably very proud of. Hmm. The uh, nation's oldest black sorority. Uh-oh. They are getting into the banking game. You know, shout out to the, the sisters at uh, Alpha Cap Alpha Sorority Incorporated. They are announcing <laughs> the opening for members only credit, federal credit union, which has said that it aims to help build generational wealth for a lot of black women and promote social justice and more importantly, uplift communities. Now, the National Credit Union Administration granted the Chicago-based financial services provider a charter this month, and the sorority expects that it will be fully operational by the end of this year. But keep in mind, hmm. this credit union will be entirely digital. I have kind of mixed feelings about that part of it. Okay. Because there is still a digital divide and you go to a lot of our oh, communities point. that they don't have Access. the technical savvy. abilities mm -hmm. to be able, or savvy. Mm -hmm. And then you, you still have a lot of, but I hope that they help a lot of, um, you know, families who don't necessarily have a bank account mm -hmm. and they for a lot of them their their bank is their their little card and their That's atm right. like those street That's atms right. yeah uh, so hopefully they can reach out to a lot of these families and yeah. help them out too i think for the younger generation of sorors and maybe mid-generation like myself mm -hmm. um i think you know the younger generation all they know is digital i think for for me i'm um early 50s you can kind of go You're both still ways. Yeah, You're I, still well, young thank generation. You, yeah, don't worry about that. you know I, but i remember both worlds if you yes. will prior to all of technology. My concern would be for the, the, the older um, celebrated right. sores, the silver members, golden members who the ones might that you all stand exactly, on the shoulders of. Exactly, but yep. listen, it's a great program. The international uh, president, uh, Danette Anthony Reed, rolled this thing out. Folks were excited about it. It's really uh, innovative and it's going to seek to address uh, you know, financial issues and, and, and move that push along. And it's, you know, we're the first, as far as the ladies are concerned, mm -hmm. but Omega Sci-Fi, and I want to say Phi Beta Sigma back in the mid to late 80s okay. uh, uh, did something of the same as far as opening a, a credit union. So the sorority is excited about it, and, and I'm going to join. I can't wait. This is another way to serve the community. There you go. And I think a lot of people don't realize and don't understand, especially that are outside of that black Greek bubble, mm -hmm. is 
they serve the you all serve the community. We do. And we you're do. not just serving first and foremost. You know, your current generation, but you're serving both, you know, past and future generations. Yeah, this is this is this speaks to generational wealth and being yes. able to build and, and, and tap into that. Excited. For sure. Yeah. I got some aunts and some aunties that are Come on, uh, AKA, Auntie so, yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> we love it. All right. One of the most anticipated moments of this weekend's NBA All-Star Game is the three-point contest. Experts are saying, uh, you know, talking about who they think they'll win. They've been talking about that all week. Now, the three-point <laughs> contest follows the Kia Skills Challenge on All-Star Saturday night. It's happening in Saint, uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. Damian Lillard and Jason Tatum headline the event. Buddy Hield of the Indian. Indiana Pacers is the leading favorite and the three-point contest begins Saturday at 8 p.m. That is Eastern time. Brandy going to have to have to help me out because I am about two generations behind <laughs> this current day, day of NBA players. Oh, yeah. I just don't know who these brothers are. Okay. I mean, give me LeBron and yeah. folks like that and James and but who are these but, new guys? Look, um, so Buddy Heald, he played uh, college at Oklahoma. Okay. Uh, he's a great shooter. Mm. I know he spent some time playing with the Sacramento Kings. Uh, he worked in a market like Sacramento that you kind of forget about because Sacramento hasn't really been relevant lately. Mm. Uh, they get overshadowed by the Warriors. They get they get overshadowed by Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, gotcha. who are also very okay. accomplished. I know those shooters. guys. You know those two because <laughs> they won championships. Okay. Um, but look, uh, Jason Tatum, he is a rising star. I, I mean, know he's him. already a star because he helped take the Celtics to the finals this past year. Mm -hmm. um, and then Damian Lillard. Uh, I know him. Out of Weber State. He had a commercial. That's he has a commercial. Some kind of commercial. Um, you know, he, he is, um, one thing I love about Damian Lillard is because mm -hmm. he has that old school mentality of he has been playing for the same team, the Portland Trailblazers, for his entire career. Mm -hmm. And he has no intention that we know of, of leaving because he wants to build something special there. And he's gotten close, but uh, he just needs one more player to help him out. So let me ask you this. Yeah. Um, you know, you know the generations before were familiar with those um, uh, guys who become icons uh, right. you know, of the game, very well celebrated. Do you think this new, younger NBA player is going to have that kind of impact, you know, 10, 15 years yeah. from now? You or know, will it depend on if they got rings and how many points have they made? Or, or what do you think? I, I think there is more of a balance between between mm. how many championships you win and how popular you are how on Instagram yeah, or TikTok. Are, yeah. And, and mm. a lot of these players have become a lot more savvy. And mm. uh, you know, I gotta give credit to you know, the LeBrons of this generation because even though they're, they've been kind of straddling that, that generational you know, transition, Fits, yeah. they have also been there to kind of market themselves and, and lead the way so the younger generation can come in here. But yeah, I mean, you it's know, I'm different. like you though. The older I get, the more removed I get from knowing who these people are. Thank you for that. I'm gonna have to rely on my sons when they get I old know. enough, and my daughter so too, yeah. to really know who these players are. Yeah, I don't feel so bad. Yeah, it's <laughs> all, all right. Good. <laughs> all right, so the NAACP. They're calling for urgent action to stop the spread of white supremacist violence following this week's sentencing of the Buffalo supermarket shooter. Now, this call is coming from NAACP president, um, NAACP president Derek ja Johnson, who says that nothing has done has been done to prevent a tragedy like the Buffalo supermarket shooting. Now, Johnson wants increased awareness and education to help communities identify and address the signs of radicalization. Mm. Johnson says that the sad reality is that the black community lives under the constant threat of violence. And that is very true. You can mm -hmm. underline that three, four, five times. Absolutely. Because not only do we deal with violence within our own communities mm -hmm. over just petty stuff, but we deal with other people of other races yeah. who are for 
lack of a better term, they're jealous mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, of, of success or progress, just progress, whatever. Creativity. Yes. Athleticism. Influence. <laughs> uh, we can go on and we on. We can go on and on. Um, but no, this is very true. And it, it, it really stuck with me yesterday when I saw mm -hmm. the, uh, the, the, the shooter you know, oh, cry in the courthouse and say he was sorry because it, it's too late now. You can't bring those it's lies back. It's too late, and, and we got to talking about that uh, yesterday with uh, your coworker uh, Josh mm -hmm. uh, uh, Landon and how you know the tears are just not enough. Right. I don't think people or folks in Buffalo, and, and I was just saying I don't live in the city. I, you know, I'm outside of that community, and I'm not ready for an, an apology just yet. Right. I don't. I don't see the tears as being sincere. As a matter of fact, uh, at uh, the court hearing when uh, the uh, victims' families were able to address. Um, uh, the perpetrator there. Um, there was even a, a, a nephew of one of the victims who charged at right. him. So that tells you how angry uh, folks still are and how they're still trying to work just to, to get to healing yeah. and get past those uh, feelings of anger. Uh, I mean, this young man was very intentional. He cased this city out. He cased, you know, this store out. And uh, folks aren't just ready for this apology just yet. No. Not at all. All right, let's move on here. The FBI has agreed to review two recent deaths inside the Harris County Jail. Sheriff Ed Gonzalez says he made the request to maintain public transparency. Last month, Jacoby Pillow was in the process of being released on bond when authorities say he got into a fight with jail workers and then was found dead the next morning. Pillow's case now one of two deaths at the Harris County Jail under review by the FBI. The family's attorney now making a formal request to the Justice Department to launch an investigation. The family of Donovan Lewis is seeking accountability after he was shot by an officer while in his bed. Police body cam footage shows Donovan Lewis being shot once in the abdomen less than a second after an officer opened his bedroom door. Lewis appeared to be holding a vape pen, but no weapon. Columbus police said officers had to arrest Lewis on multiple warrants, including domestic violence, assault and felony improper handling of a firearm. No weapon, though, was found in his home. And here we are yet again with another story. It, it speaks to uh, probably racial profiling. It speaks to that blue culture. It also speaks to, you know, judge, jury, executioner, all, you know, in, in one swoop without there being, uh, you know, due process and the propensity to to shoot to you know and 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 we know you know through time these cases have turned out pretty tragic yep. uh, with loss of life or, or limb we did a story uh, just the other day where an officer shot a suspect in the mouth he can no longer talk because he has no tongue and so um, you know this is critical and uh, I don't know where you start with how we go about changing this uh, blue culture. I know it's with the politicking and the policing, but right. someone from the inside, the politicians, the chiefs, uh, the, the, the captains, someone with the connections sergeants, needs to speak up. they have to speak up yeah. and they have to press down on this culture. Uh, it, it's very tough because one of the reasons we always talk about this mm. is because we don't often see these uh, this in other neighborhoods. We're not seeing this a lot in white neighborhoods. And, and you know, I know it's holding a vape pen, but you know, there could be there's better ways to handle this. That's right. Um, and and when you hear about a shoot first and then be like, mm -hmm. okay, mm -hmm. like that that needs to stop. Yeah, but but when you think period. about some of the other cases where there have been mass shootings and just destruction and loss of life. Dylan I remember suspects being offered cheeseburgers. Yeah. I remember suspects being, uh, you know, apprehended unharmed and without incident. We just talked about the Buffalo shooter. He is alive today. 
after shooting uh, uh, about 10, 10 victims. Yeah, mm -hmm. 10 yeah. black victims, yep. by the way. Yeah. yeah, alive and well. Yeah. Indeed, the, the young man uh, who in the, uh, oh, he was the young 19 man in the protests. Yeah. He was walking around yeah, yeah, yeah. with the assault uh, in rifle. Milwaukee. Yeah. yeah, he was peacefully apprehended. Right. He was walking around with, with an assault rifle, yeah. shooting protesters. So, you know, there's, there's, you're, there's you're examples. There are right. clear examples. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and it's still surprising that this is, is still happening mm -hmm. over a vape pen. That's right. All right. So talking about Buffalo, we're going to talk about Buffalo Bills safety, DeMar Hamlin. He is apologizing after receiving some criticism uh, for the jacket that he wore during the Super Bowl. Now, uh, we have this picture here. We'll have you take a look. That's him walking around the Super Bowl. Uh, you get a glimpse, small glimpse of his jacket, but Hamlin appeared during a pregame event honoring him alongside the first responders who saved his life when he went into cardiac arrest mm. during a game in January. Uh, the 24-year-old was wearing a jacket with the abstract image of Jesus on the back with the word eternal above it. Now on the front, there was another image of Jesus and the phrase, quote, without end and without beginning. Now there is no day and there is no night. Several have called the jacket disrespectful, and former running back Adrian Peterson even called it blasphemous. Hamlin said that he never intended to offend anyone. He says it was just abstract art to him, and it was intended as a tribute to his savior. Now, we are celebrating Black History Month here on The Black Report. I want to introduce you to, actually, we're going to talk about this real quick. Do we have time to talk about this? Or are we yeah, go well, I would story? love to, to have a conversation. Okay. Maybe we can get to a two shot here and talk about yeah. uh, Hamlin, especially since uh, the, the video here is still rolling. Look, in this day and age of NFTs mm -hmm. and interpretive art and digital art, um, whether you like it or not, I, I think people have the right and the artistic license to express uh, the way they want to express. And at this point, we know Hamlin's heart. Right. I mean, you know, listen, this man pretty much lost his life on the football right. field. So I don't think he would purposely or intentionally show up to offend anybody. And again, with this um, Gen Z millennial generation really getting into, you know, the NFTs and how things are are displayed artistically, I think this kind of falls under that. All right. Yeah. Can you say it better myself? Yeah. All righty. So now we're celebrating Black History Month here on the Black Report, and we want to introduce you to Rosie to Rosie Grow. Rosie has gone viral for her impression uh, impersonations of icons in the black community. And this year she has more in store. Fox 2's uh, Detroit's Camille Amari has this story. She's got a knack for impersonating celebrities. I am a girl from Chicago Southside. From Tina Turner. To Serena Williams. I play professional tennis. My sister's name is Venus. Her play tennis too. Six-year-old Rosie is added again this February. I mean, Layla Ali would say um, the greatest boxers in history, or yeah, greatest boxers. For what girls? Hmm? Yeah, she was a greatest one of the greatest girl boxers of his in all time. Mm -hmm. Rosie and her mom Kenya make videos throughout the year, but they put a. 
special emphasis on February, which of course is Black History Month. From I didn't want to teach her the trauma of, of black history that I was taught as a kid her age. I wanted her, I wanted her to learn about women and inventors, something that she can reflect on and say, hey, I can do that. I can be her. I can be just like her. This February, in addition to doing videos about famous black women, Rosie is doing quick video history lessons about famous black inventors. My name is Rosie, and today we're going to be learning about George Crumb. From the wigs to the costumes, the attention to detail is phenomenal. Okay, so that noise is a breathing technique for boxers so they won't um, run out of breath. My son actually used to box when he was little. So he's like, if she's going to do a Layla video, she has to learn that noise. So we're like, what's the noise? And he's like, the videos are cute, educational, and memorable, often capturing the attention of the very person Rosie is honoring. I am comedian, author, actress, and TV personality. I thought it was fantastic. I think you're fantastic. You sound like me. You look like me. You got the lipstick. I think, you know, maybe you need to be doing the show, but maybe you have to finish going to school first. When the first grader isn't making videos, she's busy perfecting her hula hoop skills and belting out her favorite favorite tunes. And she most certainly is. Rosie and her mom are posting videos every Monday and Thursday throughout the month of February on Instagram. You can follow them at Go Rosie Grow. Camille and Mary Fox 2 News. Oh, Miss Rosie, I love it. I remember first following her maybe about a, a Black History Month or so ago. Yeah. She's getting big. Yeah, you know, this is great because not only does she learn outside the classroom, but she's learning about some yeah. very influential people. That's right. Uh, and, and it's great to see that shout out from Whoopi Goldberg I was going to say, when, when you get to the point where it catches the actual person's yeah. attention, you're doing something. Yeah, she is. Amazing. Keep doing it, Rosie. Thank you, Miss Rosie. Yeah. All right, a black-owned company inks a multi-million dollar deal in Texas doing something most black companies don't get a chance to do. And the latest city talking about reparations for black residents, what it will take to make that happen. You're watching Foxo's Black Report. We'll be right back. Soulmates, I am uh, Brandon Hudson from Fox 2 Detroit, yeah. Fox affiliate in Detroit. I'm here for Nicole Lacorte. Thanks for hanging out with hey, us today. Hey, you know, I'm here. I'm, I'm going to say it again. I love this suit. Hey, this thank color. you. I appreciate you're it. You're popping uh, today, brother. I try. I'm trying to bring a little us. bit of color. Give it to I know to it's us. winter outside. We got snow, but I'm trying to bring a little bit of color. And we got some ice, too. Bring so be careful going home. Here. I know you're going to go home and get some rest after you finish Stay up with us. Yeah. Stay on your feet. Yeah. All right, so look, Chicago residents have been receiving guaranteed cash income as a part of a new program aimed at providing basic maintenance. Yeah, the American Rescue Plan funded the first $500 checks to 3000 250 Chicago and Cook County citizens. That was back in December. Now, Cook County residents must earn 250% of the federal poverty line to qualify. Scientists from the University of Chicago are tracking the program, which has been uh, replicated in other cities and nations. Most qualifying Chicagoans are homeless veterans or caregivers. This is all about uh, evening the playing field here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Show um, them the money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, so Los Angeles County has also a similar initiative that's called Breathe LA. Now that provides a monthly $1,000 basic income to families, making it one of the largest basic income pilots in the country. Uh, I know we said this again, show them mm -hmm. the money, but uh, here's the thing uh, before we move on to this Northampton uh, story mm -hmm. here. Um, you got to help out a lot of these families. $1,000 may not seem like enough, mm -hmm. a lot, but mm -hmm. it is for a lot of these families who are struggling. Sure. Uh, with that said, Northampton City Council introduced a resolution to create a commission that would investigate historical and ongoing injustices against black residents in the wor and workers in the city. Now, the commission would study whether to support reparations, joining other municipalities nationwide. Only 2.1% of the city's uh, population is black, and many live below the poverty line and lack access to higher education. The resolution calls on the city to apologize for past actions and create a joint commission to study the effects of harms perpetrated against black people. Now, a second reading of the resolution is scheduled for the next council meeting. And earlier in the last block, we had discussed yeah. the changes that are needed in law enforcement. Mm -hmm. This is one of those components that would go a long way with educating the non-black residents mm -hmm. and many of them who may be in law enforcement as well about yeah. changing those implicit biases and making it a, a, a a lot more comfortable yeah. for people of color in your city. You know, and it brings up the idea of, you know, first of all, I don't, I don't think, you know, thanks for the apology, but I'm gonna need right. some apology and some action and some solution-based um, um, resolutions, if mm -hmm. you will, something that's gonna work and, and be executed properly that people can feel the advantage, people can feel the increase, and it really goes back to, you know, for me to talk about reparations yeah. and how we can reimagine reparations. If you're not gonna give each black person millions and millions and millions of dollars right. to try to re recoup on what was done to us historically, then maybe it's about erasing student loans or maybe it's about providing um, education for free. Maybe it's about, you know, credit or financial restoration in regards to, you know, our financial portfolios and how, you know, we don't have access to capital when we're trying to start our, our black businesses. So there are other different ways and forms of, of reparations. I appreciate the apology, but let's, let's really peel this thing back and look at the needs of black black people and then meet them at their needs in regards to this reparation talk. Words only get you so far. Yeah. Action's got to carry the rest of the way. That's right. All right, let's move on here. The National uh, Academics of Science, Engineering, and Medicine released a recent study urging America's scientific community to dismantle systemic barriers that prevent racial and ethnic minorities from thriving in science fields. Now, this report recommends a multi-tiered approach at the individual team and organizational levels to bring about meaningful change. The research promotes accountability measures to discover bias patterns among gatekeepers who are mostly white men. That's no surprise there. Now, the report also encourages leaders to shape their organization's norms, attitudes, and practices to promote inclusive, supportive workplaces. And we've had these conversations, Brandon, over and over right. and over again. I think it's about execution. I think it's about seeing the worth and the value of inclusivity and going about the business of including us. Sometimes I, I wonder, had George Floyd not died or had the civil unrest not happened, would we be having these discussions today? Because if it wasn't for hmm. that moment in time, 
we wouldn't be talking about the stories that we're talking about right now. And I think, um, you know, at least it shows that for at least George Floyd that, you know, he didn't die in vain. Mm -hmm. That we are having these discussions at our dinner tables, mm -hmm. at our work coolers, at our offices, um, and, and in a lot of places where they need to be had, where people who don't look like us need to be addressed about what, what it is that we're you, talking about You make here. a great point because a lot of it has become on the other side of this struggle, which is not over, a lot of it has become rhetoric because mm -hmm. these companies have not made good on some of these promises, especially right. financially. I mean, yeah, okay, so we don't call it Aunt Your Mama anymore. It's something about the meals company. That's not what we were the, asking for. Yeah, yeah, but and, yeah, and that's great. Yeah. But I mean, listen, you were talking about pumping millions into different aspects of the black community yep. and that either hasn't happened or hasn't happened enough or it doesn't match to what you were pledging uh, very much so after within the emotion of, of the George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement. So um, maybe we need to hold their feet to the fire as a black community because some of this money and some of this help still has not happened. Well, speaking of black communities doing well, uh, let's go to Houston. Houston City Council. They signed a $334 million contract with Latrell's Management, a black-owned management company to add 10 new restaurants to William P. Air, Hobby Airport. Uh, this new deal allows Latrell's to operate approximately 17,000 square feet of Hobby's airports, food and beverage locations, Common Bond, The Rustic, Velvet Taco, Dish Society, Pink's Pizza, Jersey Mike's, and others will work with the company. Now, the family-owned business is expected to make $8 million in profit and help bring in $73 million in total sales. Now, construction for the new restaurants will be completed in the next two years. This is how you bring more people to your city. Game changer. And that's what Houston is trying to do. They're not just trying to bring people there to visit. Mm -hmm. They want to bring black people there it's engaging. to live there. That's right, it's, it's engaging. When we see that they're opening doors up for you know black businesses, mm -hmm. That's a good sign. It makes a difference. It reminds me of Midway Airport back in the, I want to say mid-2000s, uh, Georgia's Music Room, just an iconic uh, record stove from back in the day, <laughs> Chicago uh, West Side. Um, he made some some strides and uh, opened up a store in Midway Airport. Mm. So, you know, you're walking from flight to flight or you're going to catch a flight and you hear all this great hip-hop, R&B, right. soul music, and it was Georgia's Music Room. Hey, George, I love you. And so, you know, this has been done, um, but maybe not enough. Right. And so we fast forward to today and big ups to this company and Houston's airport for uh, seeing that this matters. Small steps like this that will hopefully open the doors for other restaurants or right. airports to that's have right. other restaurants and businesses that are black owned too. That's right. That's right. All right. So coming up on the Black Report, what students at historically black colleges and universities in North Carolina are calling on the state to do. Also, what investigators found on the Michigan State University shooter that may offer a motive for the deadly mass shooting. That and more coming up on Fox Soul's Black Report.
thank you so much for allowing us to kickstart your weekend. Welcome to your Friday, finally, right? If you're just joining us, how about if we uh, give you some highlights of some of the stories that we and everybody else is uh, talking about? Let's go to Pennsylvania, where for at least the third time this year, a six-year-old has brought a gun to school. 30-year-old Jasmine Devlin turned herself in. She faces felony charges, including endangerment uh, or endangering the welfare of a child. Officials say her son showed a real gun and bullets to students on a bus heading to an elementary school in the area. The firearm was found in the boy's backpack. Police say the boy's 10-year-old brother found the weapon in his mom's dresser. And to Chicago now, where residents have been receiving guaranteed cash income as a part of a new program aimed at providing basic maintenance. The American Rescue Plan funded the first $500 checks to 3,250 Chicago and Cook County citizens. This happened back in December. Uh, Cook County residents must earn 250% of the federal poverty line to qualify. And Northampton City Council introduced a resolution to create a commission that would investigate historical and ongoing injustices against black residents and workers in that city. The commission would study whether to support reparations joining other municipalities nationwide. Only 2.1% of the city's population is black and many live below the poverty line and lack access to higher education. And then uh, finally, for the full rundown on these stories and more, you can access Fox Soul's video on demand on any of our partners. You can even access past shows and other Black-centered content. And don't forget to download the Fox Soul app. It is absolutely free. Back to Brandon Hudson, who is in today for Ni Cordelai Corte. We appreciate you being here, brother. It's always good to be here. Uh, look, so it has been a long week uh, in East Lansing at Michigan State, and we do have some new details that have become available in that MSU shooting. Officials have recovered letters that may contain a motive for the deadly killings. Now, during a news conference, Michigan State Police Lieutenant Renee Gonzalez revealed two pages of notes were found in McCray's wallet after his death. Now, in them, the suspect referenced several institutions, including a church, a New Jersey school district, and multiple businesses that he had personal ties with. The three students who died were identified as Alexandria Verner, 20 years old, a junior, uh, Brian Frazier, also 20. He's a sophomore and 19-year-old Ariel Anderson, a junior. I'm going to send this over to you because I wanted yeah. to get your thoughts because you are a graduate yeah. of Michigan State. Yeah. Um, first, I got to ask, how, how are you holding up? Uh, it's, it's tough to deal with. It's tough, tough to process, um, especially because I've been in those buildings, yeah. uh, especially the student union uh, where one of the uh, killings took place, uh, a, a place of gathering, um, happiness. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, we, we, for us around here, Michigan State is an agricultural-based uh, uh, institution, so we're, we're big on uh, ice cream. Matter of fact, they call us Moo Yu. Our rivals call us Moo Yu, but we have great ice cream and, and just a great atmosphere. That was the building where when Magic Johnson, um, you know, made his announcement about his uh, diagnosis. You know, that was the building that everybody gathered mm. to talk about that. So a lot of memories in that building. And last night I checked in on a couple of my mentees who are also uh, young, young uh, sores. We share that that sisterhood. And I just wanted to check in on one of them. And this is her response. She said, hey, sore, I appreciate you checking in. I'm at home with family, getting my mind off everything. You checking in means the world. They are... Um, 
they're devastated. Yep. And a lot of them did go home. I know, um, I, you know, I, I know that there's uh, some communication saying that class is supposed to start again. These students don't want to return to class. A lot of the young people I know, whether it be mentees, young sorors, or girlfriends uh, and guy friends whose kids are now at Michigan State, as we now have kids at Michigan State, they're home yep. and they are sheltering um, um, uh, emotionally. They, they're sheltering emotionally you know, to try to heal and to try to make sense of this and to figure out if and how they can return to school. Yeah, this is something that we'll be talking about for the weeks to come. As the nation kind of moves on, we here in Michigan will continue to discuss this. And I know as a, a graduate mm -hmm. of Michigan State University, you and a lot of people in your community mm -hmm. will be discussing this as well. Hang in there and Thank we're all you. praying for you. Yeah. Thank you. All right. All right. We're going to move on. North Carolina HBCU students call on state lawmakers to support historically black colleges. Students from historically black colleges and universities met with lawmakers in Raleigh to express the importance of HBCUs and its economic power. Yeah, so students from schools like North Carolina A&T State University, Winston-Salem State University, they were joined alongside North Carolina lawmakers to share the importance of HBCUs with other lawmakers. North Carolina has more HBCUs in the country, more than the, the country in any other state. Now, all of them together contribute more than $1.7 to North Carolina's economy. Um, this is great mm -hmm, because... Mm -hmm. I think, and it's glad to see that HBCUs are getting, you know, their time in the spotlight and that this wasn't a thing that we saw in 2020 and then we just kind of forgot about. That's right. It's great that these discussions are being had and more um, HBCUs, um, students, and alumni are being included in these conversations. Yeah, and I had to be reminded via this story that North Carolina does hold uh, the most uh, HBCUs uh, in that state. And, you know, it also, you know, brings me back to a conversation we just had uh, before the break about um, the help that these HBCUs uh, still need and the pledge that was made either, you know, spawned by the uh, uh, uprising or, you know, George Floyd's uh, sacrifice um, and or just the, the fact that um, our vice president and, and other mm -hmm. uh, prominent figures have put HBCUs on the map. And so you have a lot of folks saying, yeah, I'm going to be down. Yeah. Uh, and some of that support still has not happened. And uh, if we deem HBCUs valuable and important, we need to continue to support them, even if we didn't attend. Right. I, you know, I went to yeah. PWI, no, but I true. see the significance and the and the and the worth in the HBCU Same as I here. have family members who are graduates. My mom's HBCU graduate. Yeah. I spent a summer at Alabama State University. Shout out to the Hornets. Okay. Uh, so we all have that connection. That's right. Even if we go to PWIs. That's right. Uh, speaking of HBCUs, firefighters battled a massive fire that broke out Thursday at a building near the Morris Brown and Clark Atlanta University campuses at Gaines Hall. Now, according to the Atlanta Preservation Center. The Italianate building was designed by William H. Parkins, the first architect to practice after the Civil War and is one of the oldest landmarks in Atlanta. Now, it was originally built in 1869 while the building used to be owned by Morris Brown College. It is currently owned by Clark Atlanta University after a court ruling returned the property to them in 2017. Now, it is unknown 
what started the fire, but officials said there were no injuries. While Clark Atlanta University officials have not commented on the fire, crews said that initial investigations show some extensive damage. Mm. That is not Good. a great image it, it, there. It is not. So glad there were no injuries reported because that that's, looks pretty um, extensive. Here's yes. the thing. My heart goes out to uh, Morris Brown as they are just really regaining their footing, just right. you know, reopening and, and just overcame so many obstacles uh, to, to, to gain some accreditation and reopen. I remember a day because I, I was going to be an, an HBCU-er. Okay. I was on my way to Spelman, but I don't, Michigan State just caught my attention. Right. But I remember the day when it was Spelman. It was Clark. It was Atlanta University. It was Morris Brown. And it was Morehouse. Right. And they're all in this they're area together. They're a big community there. Like, so if you was, haven't been to Atlanta. That's right. Yeah. And it was like another mecca aside from, yes. you know, Howard University calling themselves just that. Uh, just this concentration of, of, of black genius and black education, if you will. So uh, it's just heartbreaking to see, you know, Morris Brown get back on the map and then to have something like this happen. Yeah, you know, it, it's a big setback. Mm -hmm. And um, I had a chance to visit that campus. And it is very, I didn't appreciate it at the time because I was in high school, but mm -hmm. the more I look back on it, yep. the more I'm like, man, it is so it cool to have all those universities there mm -hmm. in one place and then to have everybody just kind of, you know, come together mm -hmm. uh, at a moment's notice. Like yeah. you may have friends, you may go to Morehouse, you may have friends at Spelman, you may yeah. have friends at Clark Atlanta, and it's all love. Yeah. You know, you may go to different universities, but it's all love. Yeah, and it, we don't have any other, any other places like that in the no, country. And now I, and I remember why I didn't go to Spelman is because I knew I wanted to very early on run my mouth on the radio <laughs> and TV, and Spelman <laughs> didn't have, at that time, a communications program. I okay. would have had to take all my classes at Clark. Gotcha. And my dad was like, well, why am I paying Spelman tuition right, for this? So right, that, right, that, is, right. that is what happened. Fair enough. Yeah, okay. That's, that's what happened. <laughs> all right, today in uh, history, former basketball champ Michael Jordan uh, turns 60 today. Jordan played 15 seasons in the NBA, won five MPP awards, you know the story, and won six titles before retiring for a final time in 2003. He has enjoyed uh, lucrative endorsement deals with Nike, Hanes, Gatorade, and Upper Deck among others, and has donated millions to uh, social and charitable causes over the years. We should just say greatest basketball player of all time, but I that's just say, my opinion. And an Aquarian, darling. You yeah. know, I was You're yesterday, he's today, company. Anita yeah. Baker, can I go on? Oprah, can I go on and on and on? Yeah, Come on, go. brother-in-law. Yeah. All right, ahead on the Black Report, the sisters are doing it big on the screen. The milestone that women of color in movies hit. And God but not forgotten, rapper, Nipsey Hussle. Uh, only studio album celebrating a big success five years after its release. Love the details coming up. You're watching Fox Soul's Black Report. Welcome back. It's Old Mace. It's Friday. Hope you got some good plans. Thanks for allowing us to help kick off your weekend. Hulu has released a documentary called Rap Trap Hip Hop on Trial ahead of the conclusion of Young Thug's ongoing trial. The documentary explores the controversial use of rap lyrics as evidence in court and features appearances from high profile figures such as Killer Mike, Fat Joe, and Will M.I. The case against Young Thug and Gunna, who was accused of being a member of the YSL gang, is also 
also discussed with Gunna not appearing in this documentary. Now, the use of rap lyrics as evidence in court is criticized in the documentary for violating artists' freedom of speech, with some claiming that this practice dis disproportionately targets rappers of color. Brandon, I got to bridge this back to the NBA yeah. conversation earlier with this hey. new generation of rappers. I try to keep up, but it's like, so, who? Because now you're Instagram famous. Right. And if you happen not to be plugged in or follow them, you don't know who they are until right. something comes up to where, unfortunately, they're 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 murdered. And I hate to be a downer, but you, you don't know about them until then. Or these cases uh, come up in, uh, in court. So you know who Young Thug is? I do. Okay. I do know who that is. Because he's been around for a decade <laughs> for, for, now. For yeah, a while, yes. He I came around. He really started coming out with um, when Migos was very popular, okay. too. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I think this goes back to if you uh, check out the, the documentary on Amazon, Free Meek. Okay. On Meek Mill okay. and his, you know, uh, criminal justice, you know, situation, the way he had to climb out of, you mm -hmm. know, the situation that he was in. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of parallels here. I do look forward to watching this uh, documentary on Hulu, though. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you get a chance, check out Free Meek as well. And it I had talks to do about, my research on Gunna though when this yeah. when this trial came up. He's, he's not he's as popular. One of the newer ones? Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, he's okay. not he's not as popular as so Young bad. Thug. So yeah, don't don't go bad. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> All right, so good news for diversity in Hollywood. USC's Annenberg Inclusion Initiative's latest study found that in 2022, popular movies starring women of color hit a 16-year high. The report analyzed the demographics of leads in the 100 highest-grossing domestic films in its biggest yearly batch yet. Now, the study showed that 16% of, of the most 100 100 most popular movies last year, so 16 of them starred women from historically excluded racial or ethnic groups, outnumbering movies led or co-led by men of color. However, representation in lead roles remains statistically flat for both women and people of color, and age representation was also imbalanced. The study also examined how major studios fared in releasing movies with more diverse leads. Hmm. And we saw two movies this year, Woman yeah. King Which and the sequel to Black Panther. Till was yeah. one of those as well. One of those as well. Um, but yeah, so it, 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 it warms my heart to see a, a lot of uh, women of color doing their mm -hmm. thing and, and getting you know the opportunities yeah. and the recognition. Yeah. Uh, but we still have a long way to go. We, we do. And that, that Asian uh, lead actress that you saw there in, in one of this year's top movies, she won a, a uh, Oscar. Um, yeah, and that she, movie, that, that movie is, yeah. is, that's probably, people have said that is the best movie of the I, year, I, hands down. I, it's still on my list to watch, but she was told to retire because of her age. And mm -hmm. then you have moments where Nia Long comes out right. and talks about um, you know how she thought she was perfect for Charlie's Angels, but she was told she looked too old up against uh, the, the uh, lead uh, actress. Right. Yeah, so it's it's still old, ever no. it's it's still happening, and there's still a lot of progress to be made despite right. these statistics. Yeah. All right. Nipsey Hussle's album Victory Lap celebrated its fifth anniversary yesterday and has now received a double platinum IRAA certification. The album marked the uh, L.A. Native's first project with a major record label, Atlantic Records. That was back in February of 2018. Hussle, you may remember, was shot and killed in March of 2019 in his hometown where he had been working to rebuild the community. The album features popular tracks with Kendrick Lamar and YG, and his legacy continues to be be honored with a documentary from LeBron James's Spring Hill production company set to be released later this year. 
Look, uh, glad to see he's getting his flowers. Yes. Um, even though he has passed. Mm -hmm. um, now, coming up on the Black Report, we are celebrating black excellence. Yes, one 17 year old is making history in New Mexico, Brandon. Uh, and, you know, his story is fascinating. We're going to yeah. talk about it when we come back right here on Fox Souls Black Report. He is flying high. Hint, hint. Come on back. Matter of respect to Gabriel Carruthers. Yeah, uh, you may not know his name, but you will know him now. A 17-year-old student from Albuquerque, New Mexico. He is making history. Yeah, he is. He's the youngest pilot in the state after completing his private pilot check ride. All right, so at the age of eight, he was given the opportunity to take on the controls of an airplane in flight for the first time during an Experimental Aircraft Association Young Eagles event in Mexico. When he was 14, he built his own flight simulator. Gabriel is currently a member of the General Lloyd Fig Newton local chapter of the Tuskegee Airmen. Now, Gabriel now wants to learn how to fly uh, vintage aircrafts, participate in air shows. He also wants to follow in his father's footsteps, who is a retired U.S. Air Force pilot. Very, very cool. Before we get out of here, Brandon, want to thank you for filling in for Nick Cordelai-Corte. And yep. I want folks to know, let's give the brother the props. You are not only a super anchor, but you are a super dad. Please tell us how many kids you have so three and kids, their ages. Three kids under four. We got three-year-old <laughs> twins, boy-girl twins, um, and then a 20-month-old. Um, how do you do it? It, it, it wouldn't be anywhere without, you know, my wife. Uh, my in-laws, even my mom, who comes up periodically. So we salute you, brother. Big ups to the dads. Thank we, you. Are, yeah. we appreciate you. Have a fantastic weekend. I'm Courtney Hicks. I'm Brandon Hudson. Thanks for watching Fox Souls Black Report. We'll see you soon.